Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 300. Look out, 400, I'm coming to get you. Um, but if you have a little bit of talent and a lot of, uh, a lot of work ethic, well, the limits are, are, are really your own. And so to me, it's about work ethic. And so having that talent and then having that ability, you know, having a little bit of talent and that work ethic, you're going to just crush it. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef John Toolsy. John, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am absolutely feeling unstoppable. Yeah, buddy. I love it. So if the name John Toolsy sounds familiar, it's because Sandra Bernstein had just recently called out John to be a future guest on the show. And John is Sandra's business partner over at the girl in the fig. So we got you on the show. Uh, She had incredible things to say about you, John. I can't wait to dive in. I recommend listening to that episode first. If you want to listen to that episode first, it's 292. So just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 292. You'll find the links there. But if you haven't listened to that episode, you absolutely have to. Uh, it's a great one. And uh, just a real quick background on Chef John Toolsy. John started his career in hospitality at uh, Vienza. Am I saying that correct? Vienza? Vianza, yeah. Vianza Winery in Sonoma Valley in 1994. After several years of cooking and wine sales, John left Vianza Winery to help Sandra Bernstein open the Girl in the Fig restaurant in Glen Ellen. Uh, 20 years later, John is not only the executive chef, but also the managing partner. John has been critical to the opening of the original restaurant in every project that has followed. Obviously, we're just scraping the surface, uh, giving a huge aerial view of who you are and your role at The Girl in the Fig. But uh, I kind of want to get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling, like always, with a success quarter mantra. So what do you have for us? Well, for me, the the, the success quarter mantra is just, you know, work, work harder than anybody you know. It's just get up and work the hardest. So for us, 
or for me, the mantra is work harder than anybody you know. Work harder than anybody you know. And, you know, that's one thing I do love about this industry is that uh, work ethic is such a, a like a, an equalizer. It levels the playing field. Like it, it at the end of the day, it's about endurance uh, and really dive into how just that work ethic and showing up has helped you. You know, it's, you know, talent takes you so far, they always say, it, right? Mm-hmm. So in this business, if you don't have some, some talent, you, you know, you can work your way, um, you know, you can, you can make up for it for, 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 with a work ethic. Um, but if you have a little bit of talent and a lot of, uh, a lot of work ethic, well, the limits are, are, are really your own. And so to me, it's about work ethic. And so having that talent and then having that ability, you know, having a little bit of talent and that work ethic, you're going to just crush it. And that's really what it is. So, so in this business, work ethic to me is the most important, um, you know, single talent or skill or effort to have. If you have that, you, you've got most of the success elements you need. Awesome. I'm sure that your work ethic is going to come out in this story just from doing my research. Uh, I love the way you came up, the way I always recommend people do come up with this, which is just through hard work, improving yourself and uh, people will invest in you. If you become a person of value, people will want to have you on their team. And that's, that's kind of what it seems like happened in this situation. So um, let's start from when you knew that this was going to be your career it looks like you got started in 1994 uh, so take it from there well you know it's funny i grew up in a in a family my, my father was french my grandfather was actually a, um born in france and he was a chef and okay. so it was kind of, it was kind of like my dad's dream for me to be a chef and i and i was actually signed up to go to culinary school coming out of high school but you know, my father and i didn't always see eye to eye and um and so, it, you know, to kind of spite that story, I decided to go to business school instead, and I was going to be an accountant. And so along the way, I kept finding myself, whether in high school or those early years in college, cooking okay. uh, in a kitchen, in hospitality. All right. And that's where, in, do, in, in that process is when I met Sandra. And so, you know, I started working with Sandra, and, um, you know, we, we, I was finishing up in college. And, uh, you know, I started, I'd been working with her part-time and then full-time and then on and off and beyond that and cooking my way at various restaurants. And, um, and then I was about finishing my degree. And, and at that point I was pretty much sure that that wasn't going to be my future. Okay. Um, and so Sandra said, looked at me one day and said, Hey, I'm going to go open a restaurant. You want to help me? And I said, yeah, what the heck? You know, let me, let me go do this. I, this seems really exciting. And that's kind of how it, it, it rolled. Okay. And that's kind of how it happened. And then after getting a taste of it, it just, you know, it, it becomes addictive. Yeah. It, you know, and I realized, wow, this is what I want to do. This, oh, okay. this is, you know, and finally I backed my way into it. But, but this is actually, as much as I tried not to, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I want to do. So really dive into why you loved it and, you know, what it was about the industry that really made you fall in love with it. And that became, like, what part of it became addicting for you? Well, I think it's a couple of things. I mean, first off, a- any of us in this business, there's, there's an intangible energy to it. And you, you get up and you've got a sense of purpose every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get up and you can succeed every day. I mean, uh, you know, we, we obviously, we, we, we're attached to a lot, of, a lot of other businesses. And, I, you know, and, 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 you know, as I look around and I look at, like, liquor bottles on the shelf, or I look at wine and I think, my God. That liquor sat in that barrel for 12 years. I can't wait to know whether that's going to be received well or not. And so what I love about our business is 
every day I get to get up, I get to put a product in front of somebody, and they're going to let me know in that moment whether or not I succeeded. Mm. And so the successes are instant. Um, there, there are many of them. And so when you have the failures, you can, you can get right back up on your horse and you can bury them. So, so that energy, that, 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 that fire, that ability to, to, to every day succeed, that ability to every day to take it to another level and get that feedback is something that I thrive off of, that energy, that, that, that opportunity. So I think that's it. I think it, yeah. I love that you point out the instantaneous gratification we can get when we do the job right. And that's, I mean, how many careers uh, or industries really allow you to get that instant gratification, not having to wait, not having to see, you know, how it unfolds, but just, I mean, you, you bring, you, you provide the service, you, you create the experience, and then instantly you get to see the, the expression on these people's face, then you, you put it there. And hopefully it's a good expression, but it's instant and it's so satisfying. I totally agree with you. It's, it's addicting. Um, I love it. So, um, what do you think it was? So Sandra uh, approached you. Why do you think she approached you? What was it about you? What were you doing in, in this early time in your career before you even committed to making it your career that you think uh, drew her to you? Well, I think what, what I did is I just worked. I was working really hard again, back to that work ethic idea. And I was that, that guy that I think, I hope, you know, and I was that guy that, that she could say, hey, can you, I need you to do this. And I'd be like, okay. And not only would I do it, I would try and do it better than anybody else. And so if, if I got an opportunity to do something, um, I didn't want to just go do that job. I wanted to then within as quickly as possible, be the best person in that position. And so I kind of, I think in some ways I became her go-to person, you know, I got a hole, I got a problem. I need to throw somebody at it. I can throw John at it. Mm-hmm. And, and this, so this what was I while think you're I, still at Vianza, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And I think during that time, I just recreated a relationship because for me, simultaneously, I was, she, Sandra was my mentor and I was looking at this woman who was just like, just had a passion. I mean, the energy that she exuded every day was just amazing. And so I was like, wow, look at that, you know? And then, and, and the other thing too, is I would get to work, she'd be there. I'd leave work, she would be there. And she, and, but she would always have this infectious, positive energy. And, and so I, I started feeding off of that. So I started, I think, you know, spending more and more time, um, uh, you know, talking to her, picking her brain, uh, what, you know, how, how do you, you know, cause she, at that point she was, the, you know, the director of operations of Beyonce. So, you know, she in many ways was the big boss. So, mm-hmm. okay, well, well, why are we doing this? And so I think that's what it was. I think in many ways, looking back at it now, I can say, I think that she saw in me her work ethic and which, what she was trying to achieve. And it, conversely, I was aspiring, uh, you know, to, 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 to be able to, 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 to challenge myself and, and to have that energy and that, that opportunity for success that she had. Mm. So I think that, that was the connection. Um, let me ask you something. How did she make you feel? How did, you know, did she, like, I'll just cut there. How did she make you feel taking this interest in you? It made me feel special, mm. right? I mean, it made me feel like, you know, I think, and I think that's good leadership. I think, we, I know that's good leadership. She made me feel that I could succeed mm. and that I was allowed to make a mistake. But if I made the mistake for the right reasons, and if I w- w- really challenged myself, she was going to have my back. Mm. And so in, in some way, I mean, ultimately as an, as an employee at that, and that's what I was, I could go out there and I could try and I could take a risk and I could fail um, 
but I wasn't afraid to fail because I wasn't going to get tormented for that, or I wasn't going to get beat down. I was going to be, I might have, you know, it might be, okay, well, did you learn? Because that probably wasn't the best decision. Um, but I'm glad that you tried, you know? Yeah. And so she, she, she gave, it was confidence. And I think that that's ultimately too, what I've tried to take from it, which is, you know, from Sandra and that mentorship, which is, you know, build that confidence of those folks that you work with, because ultimately they're going to be that vessel of success for you. And so that's why she made me feel. She made me feel like I could be successful. Yeah, man. I love what you're dropping on us. Just to highlight a couple of things that really are standing out to me. First, uh, to commend you, this this uh, excellence reflex. I picked that up from Danny Meyer setting the table. Uh, certain people in this industry have this innateness about them to do things extraordinary well. Whether or not it, they're choosing to make this their, their career or not, like at this point when she saw these these uh, assets in you, these abilities in you, you hadn't committed to the career. You were just very uh, committed to doing a great job. And it's like, look at your people. Find the people who aren't okay with just okay. And those yeah. are the people you want to who 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 get it, who have who have it, and invest in them like Sandra invested in you um, and, you know, let them know that you have their back and that you're there for them and that you're, you're invested in their progress as professionals. And when it comes time for you, I mean, maybe you're just a manager at this time, or maybe, you know, you're in a role like Sandra was as a director of operations, but when a time comes to go and do your own thing, you're only as good as your team. And if, if you create this, you know, a uh, cushion around you of incredible people like Sandra did with you that, you know, going at it with people behind you on your team, good people on your team is going to make opening a restaurant that much, so much easier. Uh, any reflection on what I shared with you? Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, 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 essentially it's, it's, you know, cre- getting those people around you that are going to provide for that success. Yeah. Right. So, you know, do, do you have, and then I think the other thing that I've seen, um, and try to replicate, and I've seen Sonner do is find people who are better at you, better than you mm. at certain areas, right? Because mm-hmm. I know Sonner, she has skills and talents that I would never possess. I just don't have it. I want them, <laughs> you know. So sometimes the best way I can get them is 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 by attaching myself to her, and and you know. But but what, what she did and and does, and I think is speaking to what you're saying is you may not you're not going to be the best at everything. Mm-hmm. So recognize that, and then find the best at that mm-hmm. one thing. And, and, and then all of a sudden you get that too. And, and that's what I hear you saying. That's what she was doing. And that's what I think I was attaching to was saying, Hey, you're allowing me to be great, but I, but also where are my limitations? And, and so attack, attack those limitations because those are the things you should be working on, but then find those people who are going to help you attack those limitations. Mm. I love it, man. I really do. And I'm curious, what was it? Uh, what was your greatness? What was it that you think she saw in you aside from your work ethic? Um, we already kind of talked about it a little more, but what were the skills that you, that you had that you think she was um, trying to, you know, attract onto herself? Well, I think, you know, as, as, as I thought back about it, getting ready for you know, Sonia used to always call me the, you know, instead of the jack of all trades, I was the John of all trades. Okay. Right? So, <laughs> you know, there wasn't, there wasn't one, you know, I wasn't, you know, and again, I, I always think about it even now when I look at some of our front of the house managers, back of the house, 
you know, most of the time in this industry, we come from a, from a, from a place, right? So you'll have a manager, but they're really a wine buyer or a, or a psalm that became a manager, or you've got a, a manager that, that was purely a bartender or, 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 and so they have that place that they feel most comfortable retreating into when things get tough, you know, that's, that's their home. And what I think was that thing for her, is I, I didn't really have a home. I love being everywhere. You know, you could put me on the floor and I love connecting with the guests. You could put me in the kitchen and I love creating food and, and looking at, you know, the flavors and creating that palette. Um, and then I was at home doing a deposit sheet because I love numbers. So I think that was an attraction is, and that's our business is we kind of are schizophrenic and ADHD. And, and I think I had enough of that to, to kind of say, wow, this is another person who can't stay on topic very long, but that's not a bad thing. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you. Well, one of the things I love about this industry, like you say, is that it is all over the place. And I am right there uh, with you. If you are ADHD, man, I am that guy who can't do, you know, more than I, I've got to switch it up. I get so bored so easily. So uh, yeah. it does, it does give you an outlet for that type of person. And um, I want to kind of dive more into um, you as, as you evolve as a professional, um, you said that working, beside Sandra you just over time just gradually became um addicted to it so at what point did you start really living intentionally and start saying hey maybe there's you know a career here maybe this is going to be a, a partnership like when did that how did that come into frame for you and just take us through that that part of your career yeah so about a year in you know we had gone through um our first chef's team and and um you know, and I had been in the kitchen, I'd been doing a little bit of everything. And, and, you know, and I, I was looking back and I was thinking to myself, you know, I know I don't have the experience. I don't, I know I don't have, um, you know, um, all, you know, on paper, I, I'm probably not the right candidate for this position, but I can do it mm-hmm. and I want to do it. And, and, and this is, this is what I want to do. So it was about a year in. And so at that point I said, Sandra, I, I want to be the chef. I can be the chef. Okay. And she looked at me and said, I believe you, you know, and and at that time too, you know, Sandra's got an incredible um, culinary background. And so, you know, uh, she just knows how to put, she knows what food people want to eat. Right. So it was also an opportunity for me to, 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 because, you know, I look at it now and what I think a chef should do and what I was doing then, I wasn't really a chef, but she gave me the opportunity to, 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 to grow into the role, so to speak. Okay. And so it was about a year, year and a half in, and then after a couple of years, then I started going, okay, well, I, I want to do this. And not only do I want to do this, I want to do this at a high level. I want to be super successful. I, I'm driven. And I'd want to do it with Sandra, but I want ownership. I want to have mine. And not from a standpoint of an exclusionary way, but I want to invest in my own future, mm. Right. Absolutely. And so Sandra and I talked about that, and she gave me that opportunity. So and when did this, that's this, how this conversation happen? You said after a year is when you wanted. You said, "Hey, I want to be the chef." But at what point yeah. to the the topic of, "Hey, like I want to be partner." Like, how do you approach that? If you're if somebody who's listening to this right now is dreaming of owning their own restaurant, but maybe they're currently a part of a great restaurant group, and maybe they can take that angle that you took of not just going out on your own and starting your own business. But I mean, you were invested in this business. You were there from the very beginning. Like you helped her open this. Like you, you have, I'm sure you had some sentimental attachment to this location. How do you approach that situation? I think you approach it in two different ways. I think first and foremost, 
you know, and, and I think this is anywhere on the ladder you find yourself. You don't try and ask for the job you want until you've been doing it for a while. Mm. You know, so if, if you're a manager out there right now and you really want to be a GM, start acting like it. Start being it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, take that job that you want and grab it. And I wouldn't say force the, the folks to give it to you because, because you've got to create partnerships regardless of where you are. But show them why it's so obvious for you to have it because you're already doing it. You're, you're already there. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to be an owner, start acting like an owner mm. and, and start treating the business as if it's your own, I love you know? It. And so, yeah. So if the business, you know, if, if the equipment is breaking, try and fix it. Don't just call the repair guy Dude. or try and try and try, <laughs> you know, try and save money. So try and own it. And then once you do that for a while, then you can go, you know what? I, I've been, been pretending to be the owner. I've been pretending to be the general manager for a while and I'd like, and that's where I want to go can you help me get there? Cause I'd rather do it with you. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Cause I know how to be successful with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, is there an opportunity though? That's how I would approach it. So do it for a while. Do the job. I love be good it, at the job and then ask for the job. Beautiful, man. I have nothing to add to that. Uh, it just, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so you got into this role, you transitioned from an executive chef to an executive chef partner. And, um, I mean, talk to us about some other weird transitional parts, uh, in this journey you've had, uh, that, you know, were big aha moments for you, uh, where you, you know, you, you went into a situation with one mindset and you came out with a different mindset. Oh God, there's been so many, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, nonstop, but, but I think, you know, one that I think about was, um, when I, when we started running multiple kitchens, I had to start bringing in, um, high quality chefs. And so that was an aha moment because I remember uh, the first couple of candidates, I'm looking at the resume and I'm going, wow, why is this person going to work for me? Mm. Who am I? Mm. You know, what, what is it that I have? This guy's been here and this woman's been there and they've done all this stuff. And why are they going to look at me and respect me? Mm-hmm. And so I struggled with that for a while because what I was doing is I wasn't, you know, I wasn't believing in myself. I wasn't believing that, you know, you know, what was on paper was obviously better than me. So, so I think an aha moment for me was when I realized, you know, it, it's not what's on paper. It's what's happening every day. And, and I'm not, and, and then also too, getting more flexible, you know, not bringing people in to work for you, but to bring people to work with you, mm. you know? And so I think that was one of those aha moments when I was trying in a real tough stuff, a real tough step for me. I struggled with that for a while, which was being a good manager and being a good partner and being you know, confident enough that I could stand on my own skills and, and, and that I believed enough in who and what I was to, to be able to, to direct and to, to set these folks up for success. So I think that to me was hard. I think the other side too is just transitioning to managing the front of the house. You know, it's just a different mentality and, and the way you do it and, and how you speak to folks and what motivates them and, 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 and how you can get them to think that you're on their team, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I've had some bumps in the road on that over the years, but I've, I think I've, I've, I'm further down and a little bit more successful at it now. All right. There's a few things I think that's definitely worth, you know, diving into. Um, you said it sounds like you had an imposter syndrome uh, where, you know, you mm-hmm. wanted to be this chef, but uh, you didn't really do it the 
traditional route where you you know you got the education and you which is kind of bullshit in my opinion you don't need an education you just need that passion that you have and that work ethic and that desire to learn you can do it you're living proof of that but how did you really dive into how you overcame that um you said it was just doing the work and uh what else do, were you doing to really you know help you overcome that like imposter syndrome that i'm where i'm calling it but you know there's got to be some other big nuggets in there we can take away from this well i think there's a couple of things i think that's again where sandra helped me mm-hmm. because you know here's sandra you know just on top of the world you know uh, for who she is and so having her put me in that position and keep me in that position was a huge confidence builder for me. And I think in many ways, the imposter syndrome is a, is a perfect descriptor. And, but I think, to be honest with you, I think Sandra and I also had it simultaneously. I mean, we, we kept thinking for years, we're, we're just a small you know, country restaurant, who are we? And I think that was a positive in some ways because of the humility that it drives, right? Which is, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get over your skis. You know, you're only as good as the last plate. And, 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 you know, so I think, I think, but, but then I think the other thing too is, and I wish I could tell you who gave me the analogy, but it's an analogy I use to this day. And, and we were talking about it and, you know, I went to school to be into business school, I was to, you know, be an accountant. I didn't go to culinary school and, you know, times have changed, but back in the day, you know, CIA graduate, oh my God, you know, that was the thing. But somebody, and I again forget who, and I wish they, they said to me, you know, listen, you could send me to art school for the next five years and I might be able to draw a little bit of um, stick figure, but I'm never going to be an artist. So if you have, believe in yourself, you can do this. You're fantastic at it. And just because you came at it differently, doesn't take away from your skill. And so that stuck with me, which is true. You could send me to art school and I, I'm not going to be it much. But this is where my home is. And so I think that was, was that moment for me where I started believing, you know what, this is what I'm good at. Mm. And regardless of how I got here, I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to own that. And I'm going to appreciate that. And I'm going to share it. You know, I, I, I really resonate with this right now because I'm going through that whole imposter syndrome thing right now, to be completely honest, because I'm this guy who's passionate about the industry, but I've never owned a restaurant. And here I am trying to give advice to people who are, are trying to become successful. And uh, I've, I've spoken to so many people, but, you know, like, who's going to listen to me? I, I get that. Like, who's going to take me as an authority when I'm in your situation? I'm hiring all these people, with this, these incredible resumes. Why are they going to listen to me? Like, what do I have to prove? But you know what? Everybody has to start somewhere. Thomas Keller yeah. didn't go the traditional route of getting an education, yeah. and you know, and look at what he, where he is. He he focused on the work. What you said, focus on doing the work. Focus on where you are right now, being a better version than you were yesterday. And if you just keep showing up, just focus on the service. Focus on mentoring other people. Focus, make it about other people. One way to to take the, the that imposter syndrome off yourself is to focus on other people and making it about other people. How can I improve the lives of other people anything you want to share from what i just said no i i agree and and you know i mean and obviously <laughs> you're doing pretty darn good so congratulations <laughs> to you um you it. know but but also embrace it you know i think i think a lot of times when you think of again and if we're on that topic of the imposter you know what's the positive of that then you know well i think it can drive you and i think it you know i think it can drive you to be a little bit you know, that, that extra 10% or that extra 2% where you really start to separate yourself mm. because you, you do 
maybe you don't believe in yourself as much as you should, and you should work on that. I mean, no, I don't think that's a healthy place to stay. But in the same standpoint, where are the healthy opportunities? So, you know, I mean, so what do you need to do to, to, to give yourself that personal credibility? Work on that, but also appreciate the fact that, that it can drive you. It can make you better. It can make you, you know, want to prove to the world that you are something. And, and not for negative reasons, but because, because you really do want to, you want, you're driven. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. I love it. I love it, man. I really do. And I, I want to get some operational pieces of advice from you because somebody who's as a partner in, you know, you were there from the very beginning, you were there from, you know, when you were just a 40 seat restaurant and as you scaled up. So, um, from a standpoint of operations and uh, growing a business over time, I mean, what were some of the things, the, the, the integral things you did from an operational standpoint to, um, to that really served the business? Is that making sense? Like, uh, yeah, like yeah, implementing absolutely. systems as an example. Like, what were some of those things that you did that really were pivotal points uh, along the the journey of the girl on the fig? Well, you know, first and foremost, I give Sandra credit on this. I mean, from day one, and I see this a lot, you know, because because we, you know, we have a lot of friends, and but from day one, Sandra made it clear to all of us who were standing at the time that that although this was a small restaurant, and you know, we would have family meal, and we wanted to create a family this is a business, mm-hmm. right? And so we are going to, 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 to run it like a business. And so we're going to track everything. We're going to count everything. We're not going to give stuff away. We're not going to be successful because people come here for stuff. We're going to be successful because people want to come here to enjoy. And so I think from day one, um, that culture was we are a business. We know in this business that probably not the best use of capital, <laughs> you know, if you look around the world, restaurants aren't necessarily the best use of capital, but that doesn't mean you don't run it like a business. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, that has always been our motto and, and it's something that I think has been significantly powerful for us because later on, as we grew and we got into a couple hundred employees, we didn't have to have this cultural transition from, you know, being, you know, this, this, you know, oh, you know, this, this semi-business, semi-family, semi, we just, we, we had to build our systems and make them more robust and modernize them and take advantage of technology. But we never had that cultural moment where we looked and said, wow, being a multi-unit operator isn't going to work from us because we're not, a, we're not run like a business, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So I think that, that has been huge for us and has also made our growth easier and more organic because we haven't had any of these moments where we're like, Oh God, you know, we can't just drink till three in the morning anymore. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So when you were, it sounds like obviously, yeah, treat it like a business from day one. That way you never have to transition into that business role, but you know, have fun. Like you said, at the same time, uh, what were some of the things you were doing? You said you, you, improved on the systems you made the systems more robust so as you scaled what were some of the things you did to make those systems more improved or more robust that really just impacted the overall operation well i think you know from day one we did inventory from day one we tracked our cogs from day one we had a a handle on our labor cost Mm -hmm. Uh, so from day one we could go to work and we could have a rough idea whether or not we were going to 
stay in business. Um, and then over time, we just got much better at it, where we could go in and say, okay, we know that our plate cost on this item is X. And so, you know, w- 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 instead of going, I want it, you know, and, 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 you know, and so, you know, instead of going in and saying, I want to put lamb chops in the menu, and, you know, so now they cost eight bucks, so I have to charge 34. We went in and we said, okay, where's our price point? I want to put lamb on the, on, on the menu. What can I, what can I afford? What kind of lamb can I afford? You know? And then as time went in, we just started building, you know, templates, you know, food cost templates, you know, and then we started, you know, um, you know, moving all of these items onto a network. And I remember we had our, our, we had a company network before, you know, things like Google drive came along. So for us, I think it's just been a gradual embrace of technology. Um, I think it's been a gradual embrace of opportunities to share down. So, you know, the, the big thing for us is I want uh, anybody in the restaurant that's interested in that information to have access to that information as quickly as possible. And to do that, you have to have the data in a way that's updated, um, and, 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 and accessible and, 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 and really simplified to a way so that you can put it in front of somebody and say, hey, this means this. So there wasn't any specific systems that, that, that we, I think these, these massive system implementations, I think it was just you know, going from a $400,000 business to an $11 million business and then on and on and on. You just have to grow, the scale grows. Mm. And then you have to jump onto those efficiencies as they go too. Yeah, I think one thing that gets people in trouble is they build the systems and they say, "Okay, there we go, they're built," and then they stop. Yeah. They, and they don't as their you know business you know as time marches on, their business stops evolving. So, really, talk to us about why it's so important to like you, the words you use, embrace technology and. Um, how, what's the mindset you have in order to do that? How do you not resist it? I think for us, because it's an opportunity, right? So for me, I want to be in 10 places at the same time. Mm. And so technology allows me to, to, it gives me that, you know, I can, um, I wake up and I'm working. So, you know, it used to be, I had to wake up, get dressed, do all the things and drive into the building. And then I could start working. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can get up and I'm on my, you know, I'm on my iPad having a cup of coffee and I know what happened the night before and I know who sold what. And I know if there were any challenges and I know where, you know, if there was a VIP in the building. So, you know, what it has done for me is it's allowed, you know, that technology, if you think about it as a friend, you know, it's, it, it's, it gives you power to be that much better at what you do. I mean, again, from, I remember, you know, as a young cook and a young chef, I hated being in the office because I wanted to cook. Mm. I, that's what I wanted to do, you know, and, and you hear chefs all the time saying, I didn't get into this business to, to, to push paper. I got into this to cook. Well, technology gets you back in the kitchen because it can do most of that stuff for you now, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? And, and so if you, you embrace that, it actually can give you what you want. You know, I always say to like my wine buyers, like, you know, if, if you, if you know where you are, then you can say, Hey, John Sandra, I want to bring in this really crazy wine. Um, that probably doesn't make sense, but I'm really geeked out about it. But as you can see, look where we are. I've got the budget for it. And so, you know, if you look at it, technology is an opportunity to give you what you want. 
then it's really easy to embrace it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the best way I explain it to people is, look, like we learn from the E-Myth, which is a book I think everybody must read if they're going to get in this mm-hmm. industry, uh, that systems, yep. processes, procedures are so important. All technology yep. is is a way to, you know, it's a system or a process that's been created for you i mean you can try to create that on your own and i'm sure it would work but i mean these these companies exist to solve that problem and the most valuable asset no matter what industry you have is time if you can it's who does the most with that time who will be most successful and if you can take all these different systems these technologies that have been created to get you time back in your life then you can start looking at okay all this time is freed up now i can start looking at how how can i increase the margins what how can i develop other channels of revenue like with you guys with your retail and your books those are Mm -hmm. all examples of other channels of revenue which can help you afford these technologies to keep on growing and you know focus on what it is you love maybe it's making human connections in the front of us maybe it's mentoring the next line of people maybe it's in the kitchen as a chef being creative and if you have to spend all of your time doing all these things the long way versus finding technology that can automate that process then i mean why wouldn't you set that stuff up so you can do what you love i mean uh, it blows my mind i mean it, <laughs> to me it's awesome because you you like cool i know now and i know that I know now that that decision I made was really stupid and I'm going to fix it in a really, really short cycle Yeah. versus sitting on it and going, God, if I had known three weeks ago, yeah. you know, <laughs> I would have changed it. I, you know, I, what do you think about people thinking that ad- adopting technology is almost like selling out and being too corporate and too, what do you think about that argument? I, you know what it is? I think it's naive. You know, I think it's naive and I don't know that, that necessarily I should call those you know, people who fight that as naive because I do think there's something to said for if it works, you know, you, you keep it. Uh, but I think, but I think if, if the position is it works and I'm going to keep it and I'm not going to look to improve upon it, I think that's naive. Mm. You know, I think, as you just said, the restaurant business looks a whole lot like it did when I first got in it 20 plus years ago. Um, but the way we get to our conclusions and the way we, we, we interact with our guests and, and the way we do things is so different. And, it, you know, I mean, for, I'll give you a perfect one. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we were one of those restaurants on the fence. We're kind of like, no, we don't like cell phones. We, you know, this whole idea when cell phones were just really taking off and people were talking in the restaurant, taking pictures of food. I remember, like, that was a huge controversy. Like, that's rude. And da, 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 da. But we didn't take that position. We embraced it. And Sundra was all over it, like sharing pictures and getting in front of it and embracing that. And to me, if you, if you went back and said, no, I don't like phones in the restaurant, I don't, I think you're not successful right now mm. because that's one of the best tools for marketing. And it's one of the reasons people eat now is because <laughs> they need to share. And so I think if you don't embrace that. You're just missing. It, I think it's naive. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, I want to use you as a perfect example because I feel like a lot of, I mean, what we're talking about embracing technology, but I think people can take it too far. They can focus on uh, using technology to grow their business uh, and that can distract them from the most important part of running a business, which is running the business. So how has, uh, how have you guys kept your focus on running the business and doing the small things that matter, the things that have never changed. I mean, how do you balance 
you know, the impact with go, like doing the little things while embracing the new things. Does that make sense? You know, it does make sense. And I think that the challenge with it is, is it's, you're ne- it's not perfect. You know, I think it's, I think the, the way we, we address it is um, we're constantly changing because, you know, I mean, sometimes we embrace some new stuff and it just doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, we stop. Um, so I think it's, 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 you know, the, the way I say it to the managers is running a restaurant is like being on a balancing beam, right? And every day, all the factors are going to change. Sometimes the wind is going to be blowing from your left. Sometimes the wind is going to be blowing from your right. Sometimes the wind's not going to be blowing. Sometimes your, your balancing beam is, is going to have splinters on it. And so when you think about it from that analogy, every minute of every day, you are balancing, you're adjusting, you're making small, sometimes they're large, but usually they're small incremental decisions that keep you balanced so you don't fall off of that, fall off. And, how, and so that's the way I, I think of it. How, what tools, I'm curious, what tools do you leverage? How, how do you make these decisions? How do you make these little changes? And where are you getting the information to know that's the right decision to make? Well, I mean, we get it from everywhere. We're going to get it from, I mean, the best source is going to be from your staff, right? Okay. So if you can have that open, if, if your staff feels like they can walk up to you and say, guys, that new dish you put on the menu it sucks. Now, they may not say it that way. Uh, but they'll say that the, the guests don't like it. Can you hear it? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, so that, that's, that's the number one source, you know, embrace, embrace online reviews, right? Instead of going, that's the worst review I've ever read. And it's grammatically incorrect. And that person's got an agenda. Hey, is that the third email we've heard about cold something? Right. Mm-hmm. And yes, we may not like the way they said it and we may feel it's offensive, but is there a pattern here, right? Mm. Um, so is that, that it? Mailing cards. Give people, your guests, you know, we give guests the opportunity to write to us at the end of every meal. Are they telling us a story? And what does that story mean, mm. you know? Um, walk to restaurants. I think that's one of the things that Sandra does great, and I try to stay there. It's like, you got to get in there. You got to feel it. I mean, in our business, technology is going to take you so far, but there's still that human element. So you got to walk in that room, and can you feel the energy? Are people, you know, are they looking up at the ceiling? Are they, you know, just look for it, you know? I was just going to say data. You know, where, are things selling or not, right? <laughs> you know, what's selling, what's not selling? Because people are going to buy what they want and what they like, and they're usually going to buy, they came there for a reason. So if, are you selling what you say you want to be selling? You know, if you say that you're a burger joint, are you selling salads? Well, why? Maybe you should be a salad joint. So, so it's all of those various sources of information. Um, and and they're in, in our business, what's so wonderful is we have so many ways to know whether we're being successful or not. I love it, man. Beautiful. I love those examples you gave. They're all great. And I uh, just looked at the time. We've got to ask for your failure. So uh, you've given us a lot of the things that you know have helped you evolve and how you evolved and the, the habits, the traits you have that have enabled you to get this far. But talk to us about a time where you failed, where you did something wrong, where you fell hard on your ass, John, and how did you get back up? Oh, goodness. Um I fell really hard on my ass that when I was talking to you earlier about that transition, you know, when I was first, you know, Sondra was empowering me to have more and more direct reports. And I just, in the very beginning, I couldn't let go of stuff. I just couldn't let go of stuff. I just want to find out exactly which transitional part you're talking about. Was it when you were transitioning from working with Sondra to becoming the executive chef or becoming a partner? Which transition are you talking about? 
Yeah, when I was becoming, you know, when I was, it was really when we became a multi-unit operator and we had a couple, we had, we started having, you know, multiple kitchens. I really failed in empowering the people that worked with and for me. I just didn't know how to do it, you know, and I was afraid that these people, if they, you know, I would become obsolete, you know? And so I did a really poor job in that beginning of empowering the people that first came in with me to make sure that not, you know, I didn't embrace that. Hey, I'm not, I'm not replaceable unless I let myself be a and B who's the smart guy in the room, the guy that hires or brings in another person that's mediocre or the guy or the lady that brings in a really outstanding employee. And so I really had a hard transition of, of doing that. And it made, my, it made me less effective. It made my life balance horrible. I really, for about a year, year and a half there, really struggled in learning how to empower and to give my, you know, my fellow team members to, to empower them. So I really, um, I would, that was I kinda, a hard transition. I want to dissect this, and I don't want to make assumptions, but uh, it sounds like you were almost uh, – you worked really hard to get to where you are and you had all these people with all these incredible resumes coming in. Um, were you afraid of being replaced? Was that a fear of yours? Were you afraid that if you, if you gave these people uh, an avenue to run, they might, they, you might not be the best at something in the room. Is, is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think I'll agree with that. I think it goes back to what you were saying and the, the whole imposter, when you take that, if we take that and we grow that, I mean, the whole idea of the, of that theory of being a imposter is, that at any point you may be exposed, right? Mm-hmm. So was your fear, and you may be exposed. Was that yeah. your fear of being exposed? Yeah, because I didn't believe enough in myself, mm. right? And mm-hmm. so I was worried that it wasn't me that was I wasn't the source of my success, um, and therefore I didn't have control over it. Mm. And so that was a period of time where it really was hard for me to adjust and to understand that my ultimate success is going to be about the people I work with. Um, and so if I don't embrace that, um, these 90 to hundred hour weeks are going to be commonplace and I'm never going to get to where my goals were. But that was a hard time for me. So what was, I mean, what was the biggest lesson in this evolutionary period for you as you evolved that made you see it from a different angle? How, when did it click? You know, I don't know the exact date that it clicked, but I just remember being exhausted. And we had opened a restaurant in Petaluma, and I was working, you know, 16-hour days, and I was constantly understaffed. And at one point, I think we had three restaurants, and I was in between shifts on all of them. And just realizing that I was going to fail unless I changed the way I thought. Mm. And, you know, I don't think it was that moment, but I just remember going, okay, I need to find great people, but I'm only going to find great people if I allow great people to succeed. Mm. And, you know, and it was just, it was more of a transitional period, but it, it, it really came from the fact that up until that point, I could get away with it because I could just work 10 more hours. You know, I could just put in another day. I could work in, I've always worked six days a week. Ah, shit, I could work, excuse me, oh, heck, I could work seven days a week. Um, and so it was just, it was over about a two, three month period of time when we had uh, a restaurant in Petaluma, the girl was here in Petaluma, that that occurred for me. Yeah. You know, it's the people that recognize that it's not about me. It's about we, and they don't let their ego yeah. get in the way. And, and I, I have quoted Octavio Mantilla of the best restaurant group so many times when he said, 
you can accomplish anything in life so long as you don't mind who gets the credit. Uh, and that's really yeah. our job as the manager, as the owner, is to see the talent in other people and to surround ourselves. We, we should be the least talented person in the room at all times if we're doing our job right. Uh, <laughs> it's so true. And until you accept that, until you're willing to give up the, the, you know, the recognition uh, and the, you let your ego go, um, that you, you're holding yourself back. Um, yeah. until you do that. I love it. Beautiful lesson. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. really, you know, getting open with us there. I appreciate that. We need to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business, or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn that never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant's unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back in the first question i have for you john is what is an if factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success um just again, uh, uh, hard work and, and just uh, int- intention to succeed. So I get up every day and I'm going to succeed today and I'm going to go out and I'm going to solve problems every day. Mm, awesome. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Oh, goodness. Where to start? Um, I, I think my, my biggest weakness is, is not knowing my limits. Um, really, that's it. I mean, I, I just every day and I work on it, but every day I schedule 10 things, um, too many. <laughs> mm. So, uh, unfortunately I think that it's, it's, it's a strength, but it's a weakness because then I'm, I'm letting, you know, I'm not where I should be. How have you improved with this weakness over time? Um, uh, I, a couple of things. I, I, 
I'm, I've tried to empower the people I work with to call me out on it, you know, um, you know, to, to say, you know, Hey, can you do that? And, and, and also just recognize it, you know? So at the end of the day, I take, I, I try and end the day, uh, by listing the things that I got done and then I kind of compare it to what my to-do list was. And so if I'm out of balance on that, then I know the next day I got to, I got to take three or four things off of it. Awesome. I love it. The power of lists are so great. Do you use anything in particular to manage your list or do you use paper and pencil? I'm still a paper and pencil guy. Awesome. Uh, sometimes those simple things just never, uh, like the, the paper and pencil is a great way of doing it. I, I personally love Evernote because I always have my phone on me, which means I always have my list. Uh, but that's just one thing. And another thing I use for my list is, uh, if you're on a computer a lot is momentum, which is just a, uh, Chrome add on. I'll have those links in the show notes, but awesome stuff. Uh, what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? You know, just be yourself, mm. be authentic. It don't, you know, I, I believe that if you walk in the room and you're the same person in front of 10 people, in front of employees, in front of guests, in front of mixed things, um, that authenticity is, is the first step to true credibility. Mm. Awesome. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during an interview? Um, I always tell them why, if they walked out the door, um, if I, what are the two reasons if they walk out the door that I'm going to regret if I don't hire them? Okay. What are you looking for? I'm looking for someone to tell me why they should, why I should have them. I'm looking for that confidence, that spirit for someone to say, John, you're going to regret not hiring me because I'm the most dynamic person in the room and I, or I, I love this more than anything else. And if you don't hire me, you're going to miss that opportunity to, to, to be around me and my passion. Or I just love making people smile. And if you don't hire me, you're going to see 10 people less a day that smile. Awesome. So are you looking basically just for self-awareness, their strengths? What, you know, what am I going to bring to the table? Exactly. I, what I want is, as we were talking about, I want to surround myself with great people, right? And so great people know that, not, that they're great. Great people know that they have value and, and they're not, they're not afraid to share it. And in fact, they want to share it. So I'm looking for those people who can tell me and who, who are going to speak to me more like a partner, right? Mm. So tell me why you can help me. You can hold me accountable and I can hold you accountable and why you're going to be great. And why I need you to keep, to get, to hit my goals. Awesome. What is your current challenge right now? I think our current challenge right now is where to grow okay, and how to allocate the resources to those growths. All right. Get specific. What specifically is the challenge? Is, is it picking a direction and knowing what's going to resonate with your guests? Like what exactly is the hard part about it? Well, we have, you know, we have so many different things we're doing. You know, we're, we're working on additional projects. We've got our food truck. Our catering business has never been stronger. Um, you know, we just took over a new garden. So we're, we're, we're working on, um, you know, we transitioned our garden from one plot to another one this year. And now we've got this beautiful garden space that we're renovating. We were working on another garden space that could also be an outdoor um, dining area. Um, we've got a couple uh, partners in town where we're working on taking over their private dining events. Um, so there's, and there's probably six or eight other opportunities like that. And so trying to, 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 to be you know, it's, it's a wonderful problem to have, but really like what's the best, um, 
you know, which of these projects are best, how, which are the ones that are going to, we're, we're going to enjoy the most mm. and, and, and which are going to give us the best opportunities to succeed and support our other um, existing portions of our business. What's, what do you think the, the most important question to ask yourself is when looking at new opportunities? Like what's the one thing that matters the most? I think how is it going to support and enhance your current business? Mm. I, I, that's it because you know, you you are in that position to either take on another opportunity or grow your business because of your current business or your current operation or your current, you know, direction. So whatever you do, are you, before you jump off the boat, are you jumping off the boat in the same direction? Can you get back on the boat? So to me, it's, are you staying in the right direction? Mm. You know, if, if your business is pointed north, are you taking on, are you going in another direction that's going south? And how is that going to work? And when you say direction, where, what are we referring to? Where, where are we looking to get that direction? So uh, when I say direction, take an example of our farm, right? So we've been farming for years now, and it's a passion. And it's something that I love. And it's something that has given us tremendous opportunity on, on, to understand true seasonality, to, to understand how to buy produce, to understand um, where the marketing opportunities are, to, to, to share a passion. Mm. But to know that that doesn't necessarily mean I need to get into the composting business. Or know that limit. And, and, and also know when you've played out that stream to say, okay, I, I'm, this is what I am. This is the amount of farming I'm going to do and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to, I'm going to take my energies in a direction. I but that. I think sometimes we can go too far and you start getting off topic. Mm-hmm. What are you good at? Who are you? Yeah, guys, you know, in different words, what's your, what's your mission? What's your vision? Exactly. What's your purpose? What's your why? That this, these, what John is sharing with us right now is it's, is why it's so important to get super clear about our reason for existence. Because when we are looking to these new opportunities to figure out, you know, where we're going to take the business next, it's going to be that vision, that mission, that purpose that's going to determine those decisions. Cause it, it, is it aligned with where we're going with where our vision was five years ago? Is this going in that direction? If not, it's just going to be a detour. It's going to be a distraction. Uh, that, that vision will, be your guiding light for the rest of your existence. Uh, and is that, is that what, is that aligned with what you're saying? Exactly. 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 I love it. All right. So, uh, what is one thing you guys do besides food that is way better than any other restaurant that you compete with? Uh, you know what? I just, I, I think, I think we do service better than any restaurant we compete with. And, and when I say that, I mean it from the standpoint that, our service matches our product perfectly, mm. you know? And so it's not about, did, did I, did, you know, that crumb get moved three inches from my thumb within 10 seconds. It's that when you come into, into our properties, the product, the service you receive is exactly what you want for that product. And what is that service that people want? Really paint the picture of what your service looks like. Okay, well, let's use the Grand Fig. So when you're coming to the Grand Fig, what we want is you're coming to Sonoma. We are in God's country, mm. right? And so, but, but in Sonoma, we wear jeans. Mm. In Sonoma, we're relaxed. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. In Sonoma, we, we know we're blessed. Mm. And so we're not trying to show it to everybody. We're trying to share it with everybody. Mm. And so what we want is for you to come and whether you live here part-time, full-time, or you're just visiting, we want you to come and relax and enjoy Sonoma. And so that service has to be welcoming. It has to be warm. It has to be casual. It has to be authentic. Mm. And it, it has to feel like when you step outside, you really haven't left the building. You just stepped into a different part of Sonoma. And so that service has to be comforting. It has to be exact. It has to be confident Mm. because you know you have a great product. Because if you don't have a great product, it's only because you're choosing not to because we live in this area. So that's the service. It's continuous with with the entire area that we are. And that's the kind of service that we have. And I think we do that better than anybody in Sonoma. Thank you. Awesome. I love it. So what is one book that we must read if we want to be a better person or a restaurant owner? Well, I think Danny Meyer's book is amazing. Absolutely. Um, I mean, to me, I've read that book multiple times and it's just, it's just inspiring, you know, because I think here you have, uh, you know, I mean, one of the premier operators uh, by far, but, but, but if you read it, you read a businessman who loves what he does, right. Mm-hmm. And has a true passion for it and a passion for the people. So I think that's, that's something I think from another book that I just love to, to share with people. And it's, it's not an uncommon book, but I make most of my kitchen is salt. Ooh. Right. Yeah. So what because is it? I, Sorry, so go ahead. Well, it's because, it just reminds us that the simplest ingredients are the oftentimes the most complex ingredients. Okay. And so when you think of the restaurant business, it's the simplest things that are usually the hardest to get right. Right. Okay. So if you, if you just realize that that's salt on the table and the history behind it, maybe you'll understand the detail that I think is necessary to be successful in this business. Um, and you got to appreciate the work. There's there's story and history befi- behind everything we do, uh, and there's a reason yeah. behind everything we do. And when you know the reason, it just makes you appreciate the work that much more. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, what is one piece of technology uh, you've adopted in your restaurant uh, that has influenced your operations? And you put a lot of emphasis on you know embracing technology. So now's the time to like really get specific about uh, specific tools you've recently adopted that have just made a big impact in your operation. Well, what we've been we were one of the first adopters in our area, and this is, goes back to Sandra. Sandra is is always ahead of the game. And that's one of our competitive advantages. She just sees these things before, you know, they, they come. But we were an early adopter of, of Slingshot or Vero. Okay. And, you know, that has been so huge for us for a number of years now. But it, but it becomes more powerful every year because of the, of, of the data that we have on it, you know, mm-hmm. and that it just goes on and goes on and goes on. And I love that program because anywhere we are, we can see what, you know, to the to a micro level, who ordered what, when, where, how, right? Why is that so important? Um, so that because it, it empowers you, you know. So so you know when I, when we when I first got in this business, you know you you if, if somebody complained or somebody wasn't happy or somebody loved something, it would take you an hour or two to find out who they were, what time they sat, what was the server, what did they order, da 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 da. Now you can have that information in seconds. Yeah. And, and so it allows you to be instantly responsive to both a positive, 
uh, it's both and, and a challenge. Yeah, and remember earlier we were talking today. Uh, we we're talking about, uh, you know, how do you know where to make the decision? How do you know where to focus your energy? And you were saying by paying attention to what your restaurant's telling you. What are your people telling you? What are the reviews saying? What are your, your, your the people that work for you saying? Now today we have this incredible ability to tap into all these electronics that are spitting out data at every second. Any any transaction. Every moment, there's an opportunity to capture a trend, and it's right there at your fingertips. Are you paying attention to it? It will tell you so much, and there's a lot of services out there that do it. Slingshot, Vero Slingshot is just one of them, but yeah, great resource. Thanks for sharing it. And um, we're almost done. With all the knowledge you have now, John, if you could go back in time and give yourself, your the past version of yourself, one piece of business advice, what would it be and why? Patience. Why is that you know, so important? I think, <laughs> I, I think it's so important because I think so many times when we get into this business and you see this so much in the restaurant life cycle that we, we're trying to, and, and it's, it's a successful trade, but you, you, you got, you're going hundred miles an hour, right? You got to go hundred miles an hour. Um, but, but you don't have to, you know, you, you're not going to climb that mountain um, and be done, right? There's no plateau. So instead of rushing up that, that, that mountain and not enjoying the process and not enjoying the journey, because you realize once you get to the top of the mountain, if you're, you're in this business for a long time, you're going to want to go up another one. <laughs> so be patient, right? Do it right the first time and think about your five and your 10 and your 15 year, your plan before you open. Mm. And after your first year of completion, think about your, five, you know, adjust it all. So I would, I would be patient because I think, some of the mistakes that I made early on was because I thought I should be, I should already be on top of the mountain in year three. And, and what you realize is there's really no top. So be patient under, you know, build your business, build your restaurant for the long haul. And even if you don't want to run it for the long haul, maybe you can give it to somebody else or somebody else in working with you will want it. But I think patience, just, just, just enjoy the process and be patient. Amen, brother. I couldn't agree more. Like, yeah, like if you don't have time to do it right the first time, what makes you think you're going to have time to do it right the second or again? Like you don't have the time. So just yeah. do it right the first time. I couldn't agree more. And what's one question, John, I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview? Oh, goodness. I, I, I wish I had one. Give me time. But yeah, I thought <laughs> the interview was phenomenal. Oh, man, I did. You, because you I think, Yeah, I think what you're doing is you're helping people in the business um, succeeding challenge and wanting to, to be honest about what it is. And, and that makes it that much more fun because the business is hard. Um, it's not mysterious. It's it, but there are a lot of little things that boy, if, if you could go to a resource like yours and you could be like 10 steps ahead. I mean, how cool is that? Oh man, thank you so much for recognizing the value. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's an honor to serve an industry I love is all I can say. But uh, yeah, it's it's been my pleasure. That's for sure. And uh, this past hour has been my pleasure. You've been an awesome guest. I wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who's one person you admire, a chef uh, uh, or a chef owner, proprietor, somebody who is just somebody we need to look to for inspiration that you think should be a guest mentor on the show like you were for us today? Goodness, that's a great question. You know, I've got a, a guy that used to work for us for a number of years and, and has gone off in a real different direction, but I just, I, I, I've always adored his passion and his energy and he's, he's taken a different route, but his name is Dustin Rogie and he, he's, he works out at the CIA and, um, uh, but he's also doing some consulting and he's just one of those guys that has, has always had this energy 
And he's, he's succeeded in so many levels from being a restaurant GM to being in the educational side of it. Uh, he's, he's currently enrolled to get his MBA. Um, he's just what I think epitomizes our, our, our industry, which is that constant evolution and growth. So he would be somebody that I would highly recommend uh, that you could speak to and would just provide so many great insights. His ability to motivate people, to connect with guests is just incredible. Was, that, was Dustin Rogie you said? Yes, yes. Dustin, look up, man. I'm coming after you. And John, how can we connect with you? If somebody's listening to this, somebody's out uh, looking for the next step in their life and they've been inspired by what you've shared, they want to come join your team, what's the best way to connect? You know what? The best way is to shoot me an email. And it's simple. It's john at thegirlandthefig.com. Awesome. I'll have uh, that email in the show notes along with the summary of today's discussion, uh, links to the products and services recommended, the books recommended. Head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 290. I'll fill in the blank later when I edit. I can't remember what episode <laughs> I'm on. Uh, but seriously, Chef John Tools, Toolsy, it's been uh, an honor. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Whoa, where do you start with an episode like that? There was so much value. John Toolsy just crushed it today. Um, and just real quick, uh, I, I said this is episode 290-something. It's actually episode 300, bitches. So that's exciting. Uh, good little milestone we hit today uh, with this episode. But, uh, man, I mean, I, just, I wrote down a bunch of stuff while I was editing this episode, like work ethic, ineffective in infect wow i'm struggling infectious positive energy treating it like a business treating it like you own it embracing technology listening to the data in your business and what it's telling you so you can make decisions uh don't let your ego get in the way of you know growing your business and being authentic being your true self i mean these are just a few of the things that I wrote down uh, reflecting on this episode. John was such an incredible guest. He shared so much value with us today. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I could just, I'm not going to even start to break in cause I respect your time and I'm, I need to be better about these, uh, closing thoughts but i mean i think we can all agree it was great stuff today in this episode. Like always guys, I've got to remind you, Please, please, please spread the word about this podcast. If you find value, if it's helping you and you know somebody who's passionate about the hospitality industry, they want to own their own restaurant someday or whatever it is. Uh, maybe they want to be a general. Maybe they just, they just love the industry and they want to be surrounded by other people who love the industry. Please share this resource with them. It's a melting pot of mentors. You are the average of the five people you spend the most of your time with. So why not spend your time, whether you're driving to work, going to the gym, taking the dog for a walk with the most incredible minds the restaurant industry has to offer. I'm not talking about me. I mean, I'm, I'm all right. But these people we have on the show, man, they're proven successful. They, they have so much to offer and we can all grow if we just listen to how they tackled life and why they did things the way they did it. Um, and there's tons of value here. So spread the word. Shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. That's Eric with a C. If you can think of anybody who's just crushing it in your community, who's the person, the guy or the gal who just people go to for advice in your, your community and who just is the 
like perfect example of what success looks like in this industry in your eyes. Um, but put them on my radar. I'll get them on the show. We'll learn from them together. Um, or maybe you just want to talk to me uh, or, you know, bounce an idea off me or uh, whatever. Those one-on-one chats with me, I love those chats. That's, that's how I connect with my guests and really on, on a, a different level and uh, find out how I can provide value or just, you know, help you connect with somebody who can help you with your issues. Uh, I love those conversations. And then, uh, like always, use my links. Using those links really supports the show. If there's a product or service you're interested in buying and they have an affiliate program and you use my links, I get a small commission at no extra expense to you. And we can keep on doing these podcasts um, and really just improve upon them. And uh, that helps. And then uh, what else? Five-star reviews, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. I know this stuff gets boring, guys, but I got to say it because it does support the show. And uh, this is how we grow things. So uh, like always, guys, I, I need to figure out a different thing to say like always. All the time. Anyway, <laughs> um, I love you guys. Uh, I couldn't do it without you. If you've been supporting the show, if you're out there chasing your dreams, keep up the great work. You guys are all unstoppable. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>